Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Unlimited Railworks Video Game Choo-Choo's Anime Podcast. I am your host, Rose, as always, and with me is Maverick. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's going pretty good. We can finally talk about the new season of anime after two episodes, because we don't have uh, too much shit to do, which would be good. Um, LV is also here for said purposes. <laughs> Hello! Yeah, uh, the new anime season is, is pretty actually decently ways deep in. Yeah. Yeah, we're what three, four, yeah, four, almost four, it, just about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and then it, it's that awkward thing too. Where there's a lot of series still ongoing from last year. You know, we got some long season stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what, like, I'm trying to think of what's still going on. I know, uh, there's that, Iruma's still uh, going, yeah, there's that, Imminence, uh, uh, Ursa yep, Imminence in Shadow, I know, is another, I haven't watched that, but I know that's still going. Yeah. Vinland Saga just started, but that's yeah. gonna go for a while. Yeah, several things. Uh, yeah. Um, so, I, I watched... I watched a lot of I watched a lot of this season of anime so far. It must be said. Um I haven't gotten to things like that we've talked about like High Card, which I'm really excited for, which I know you've watched Maverick and we can get into that in a little bit. Yeah. Um but uh you know what, Elvie, would you like sure. to start us off actually? Would you want to talk about uh something? I'm actually curious to hear about the Repairman Isekai after you offhandedly mentioned it before. Uh what is it handy? Saito yeah. is a handyman in another world. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, yeah, the actual title is Handyman uh, Saito That's in another it, world. Yeah. I keep calling it the Repairman. The Repairman. Because it's just easy. Even though they keep saying his name, well, I should remember. He he actually has a name, they keep saying. And it's just Saito, no last name. Um, I, just, I just thought the concept was funny. I was like, okay. Okay. This is, this is something I can probably, probably, probably get into. Um, again, just differentiating itself from all the other insane unhinged isekai, which is typically like, oh, regular person comes in, they have, like, magical powers, they have some sort of prodigal situation going on, they have some, they're too special, and and here we go, you know, I'm willing to look into isekai that have insane premises where it's like, okay, here's this totally mundane person, they don't change, this is just uh-huh. them, you know, what? how does that apply to this fantasy world, right? Um, and yeah, that's this is literally again Misekai titles spell out what's the premise. Yeah, what's going on. It's this this guy, <laughs> this guy is uh, you know a, a jack of all trades, a handyman slash repair guy, um, and he gets transported to a fantasy world. Uh, they they reveal pretty much like a couple episodes, and they don't reveal it from the start, which is interesting. And I thought that was a little weird. They were kind of building it up as like as if it was a surprise, as if it. As if, as if no isekai protagonist in the past has been hit by a truck 
that's what happened to him. That's yeah. it. Nothing, nothing special going on there. He, he wasn't sick. Nothing. He didn't fall into a I, portal. I, he got I, hit by a truck. A I feel like we've truck. gotten away from that in recent times. Like we've talked about like the ones where they uh-huh. fall asleep and that's it. They just fucking die. Yeah, that's which is really terrifying. scary stuff. <laughs> Like, I think asleep. even more recently, like between like Ari Fretta and uh, oh god, what's that other yeah. one? Um, I don't know. There's been a few where it's just uh, the freaking uh, Executioner Way of Life, where it's just like they just get uh-huh. summoned, like not even killed, yeah. which is like I feel like that's a that's yeah. a be- better step up, I think, from the insane death cult energy of an isekai uh, genre. Right, right. The what was it? Um, the the recent villainous uh, uh, one. She she. Well, I think she was implied to have had cancer. Yeah. Some sort of terminal illness. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> she. It's like so oh, bleak. And yeah, she was playing games in the hospital. Um, yeah, this one. It's just oh okay. He got he, he got hit by a truck. Cliche. Um, overall, so far, it's actually a bizarrely. I don't know if the word cozy is correct. <laughs> I, I would say bizarrely um, um, non-stressful, I would say. Low stakes. <laughs> non- <laughs> a non-stressful series. Um, I, I would say particularly, I think, the, at least so far, right, like a lot of series, as we've alluded to, already have hit their three to four episode quarter mark, if a lot of them are like 12 episode series. And... Um, the first episode I really enjoyed specifically, um, it, it, it just kind of, it just kind of starts in media res. He's basically like trying to lockpick a door for the party he's with already. And he's already been with this party for some time. There's a fairy, a night girl, and an old wizard, which oh, I'm very yeah. excited about. I, I am so excited that there is just an archetypal Merlin ass old guy. You got Every party needs one. We need that. <laughs> right and like oh, clearly just a classic wizard in a gray cloak and a stupid pointy hat like let's go um and he's just lock picking and then um it's interesting how the series is framed in a way where yeah yeah so far they're just kind of unraveling bits of the backstory until like around the third episode or so we find out like oh he just got hit by a truck sure <laughs> um it's very dependent on like uh he he, he doesn't have like voice acting for his inner monologue there's see it's it's a little weird it seems there's like there's like kind of this omniscient narrator in the series as well um you know again not speak again it's not actual voice acting not actual an audible narrator but like all these like lower thirds captions and title cards that keep intercutting between between shots and scenes it's not really it's not i don't think it's like a lazy thing to do but it is very noticeable and it works in a lot of points, too, where it's like, oh, okay. But it, it kind of does feel like family guy moments <laughs> at times, where it's like, okay, we're explaining the joke here. And it's like, you, this, they, did, they didn't need to comment. On, they didn't need to put a caption here explaining what just happened. Or like, Saito uh, 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 is, um, what's the word? I'm trying to figure out what an example is. I don't remember now at this point. But like, and in that moment, Saito realizes life would change. You know, something like that. It's like, why, why are we, why, why is it's this like necessary? Hunter, Hunter. Little, just let the scenes, yeah, just leave the, let the scenes speak for themselves. Yeah, but overall commenting on the first episode, yeah, it just jumps into him trying to lockpick a, a, a door in a dungeon with the rest of the party. And it slowly goes through each of the backstories of the different characters. So you have, um, 
kind of one of you know, the secondary protagonists. I don't know if like if, if it's worth ranking them. They're, right now, they're just kind of like a party. Like I, I don't, I don't like. But I think it's very clear that the secondary protagonist, uh, Railza, Railza, um, she, um, she's a knight, and she's got. She's got actual armor, which also impressive. She has like a full on. She's fully covered up. She doesn't have booby breastplate. She actually has a proper like breastplate that wow. is very formless, and she's fully covered up. Um, and there's a whole thing where um, yeah, thus far in the series, like she's actually insecure. So this is the thing where it's like uh, okay, th- she's you know she's like shy and insecure about how she her appearance because she has a scar and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know if the, if there's gonna be a whole like. Kind of like fake characters where when they upgrade, they just get less clothes for some reason. <laughs> like I don't know if they're just gonna go through that sort of physical transformation <laughs> um, at all. But so far, it's very clear that she is a romantic interest to Saito. Like his mundaneness is something very attractive, and I think that's kind of very funny and cute. And it's like done in a pretty like okay subtle way, where just like a lot of respect for like some of the things he's doing and like how you know he has a you know and like again like he's. They, his, his party members clearly respect him. Like, he has a keen eye over noticing things or, like, how to fix stuff because of what he does. Um, and then there's a fairy girl. She's just a tiny fairy girl. I don't know what to say about her. She's just a fairy girl. She's just hanging out. <laughs> the, the fucking wizard. <laughs> I love this wizard. Um, that said, yeah, a little iffy on, like, they keep making jokes that he's forgetful and it's like, oh, let's, you know, it's, that gets into that weird territory. It's like, oh, let's not this weird this weird like area of like oh how silly grandpa's forgetful versus like oh no he has dementia kind of thing you know it's like let's not like poke fun of that too much or poke fun of that at all that said i i just i just conceptually he's great he's great and there's a whole thing where he i think he like pops in in a lot of times for like a lot of the bits they do as well and there, he actually adopted the night girl, I, I think. Like, he's kind of, like, her adopted father. But, yeah, they have this whole thing where, like, he keeps forgetting about her. Or they sometimes find him in weird places. And it's like, oh, no. It, it's an all, is this an Alzheimer's joke? What's that? Uh-huh. But I think there's a bigger thing going on where he might be cursed, I think. Um, and all that. The last episode I've seen, like, there's someone, like, approaching him. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I was your protege or something all these years ago and the joke that the joke that ended the episode was like oh he doesn't remember him you know so that's kind of like what he has going on i just overall love that there is a freaking gandalf man <laughs> in an anime remember remember uh <laughs> what is dumbolf gandalf boar or whatever <laughs> From oh the God, from the yeah. the one where they got turned into a girl or whatever, but it was like this main uh-huh. character was literally Dumbledore yeah. Gandalf. Fucking, he was. Yeah. That was. That's what it's all about, I think. Incredible. We need more of these, uh, like isekai or just MMO themed ones that where like they have a stupid character. I, I'm sick of like them having uh-huh. good characters. It needs to be some bullshit. <laughs> it needs to be a dude named uh-huh. like toast or something like i don't know yeah like a throwaway yeah just, just the this, stupid this joke is just this i was gap. stuck on my alt they and they got isekai oh story. no <laughs> no not this totally serious genre yeah. <laughs> um and yeah the first episode was dedicated to just showing who these characters are and it was just barely I, it, it was just very nicely framed um 
um, second you know, episodes onwards oh, was just, it was interesting. It was like broken up into different segments, not really like a whole cohesive episode, kind of like, you know, like there's two sketches per episode kind of deal where he was focusing on a particular problem and fixing them, you know, and showing, you know, show, showing other parts of the world building of the setting. Like, oh, they're going to like a repair shop, like a smithy. I believe that's what she is. I don't remember, but, um, and him just kind of explaining that, yeah, it just feels very subdued. Like, you know, like there's that, there's the other extreme end of like characters who, who, who you know, like Konosuba char- characters, you know what I mean? Like first, wait, did I mix that up? What's, no, but yeah, like, and um, they, they just feel grounded compared to, to, I think, like other isekai characters. And I think that's what I, I think that's where the coziness thoughts came up in my head. Uh, over like, oh wow, this is like bizarrely really like you know, I saw Beast Tamer. <laughs> I saw the Beast Tamer show last time, which again also not an isekai, but also a fantasy setting. And yeah, there's there is kind of like all these pre-established tropes in anime fantasy, like we've been seeing throughout the last couple of years, where everyone just has to be so much. And these characters so far don't feel that way. Um but yeah, as I was saying, like at a quarter way throughout through, through the series so far, there are some stakes already being set up, and I feel like it's going a little too fast. Um, I wish like it's I wish it's still like just g- grounded itself in taking time to spend more time with the, the main party, like have a little more slice of mo- life moments, and like oh here's Saito fixing this like I don't know like this old antique treasure chest, etc. However, the stakes escalate because they now, he found, like, a Roomba, and now he's like, oh, shit, oh, shit, I can't tell, he literally found a robot vacuum, and he's like, why is this here, what's going on, and now he's like, oh, shit, I can't tell anyone about this, this technology might be abused, kind of thing, like, someone might abuse a vacuum or something, or people will freak out, so that's kind of what's going on here, and they just decided, they're still, they're still, like, in the dungeon, they're still in this cavernous, like, dungeon uh, system, and, um, now we're getting all these other party characters introduced, these competing parties. It's like, whoa, whoa, all these, there's too many people. There's too many people. Um, they ran into another party where one of the guys has an extreme crush on Saito. And they, like, are very explicit about it, which was also like, oh, wow. Yeah, this series has a lot of surprises in it. Like, they were very explicit about he liked both men and women. Like, And then they just left it at that. And they probably bring it up a couple of times, but he's just, like, a normal man. And he has nothing, like, what I felt was stereotypical about it at all. Like, he wasn't even a joke character. And that was, like, stunning. So, yeah. I don't know. It's like, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to more, more, ah, I'm looking forward to what else this series has going for. Like, I don't know, like, how it will feel if it decides to just, like, explore a bigger plot uh-huh. it seems to be going in. Because right now it feels like, oh no, there might be rushing in on things where there's like a lot of elegant moments that could have been taken with more slice of life stuff, which I would have preferred going in. Um, I I think that's my thing recently with a lot of series is I've just, I think, uh, especially with isekai stuff, a lot of them would benefit from not having an overarching plot and almost just being like... Mm -hmm. Like slice of life, like in some cases, but also just like episodic, like just have it be random you know like have it be like little right. bite-sized arcs or something like I, I always think like re-zero definitely has an overarching plot but by separating it up into like different arcs it helps it feel like a lot more like you know exploring the world having fun but a lot of these yeah. like really try to a uh, swing swing high right 
especially for, again, a series like this where it seems like the conceit is the idea of, you know, all these characters who have magical powers and, like, they're in this grandiose world where there's, a, there's like, a lot that can be go, you know. And then here's this guy who's just a repairman, basically, a handyman. Um, and characters are observing and have, building a lot of respect for him or seeing him as, a, you know, like, the mundanity of his skill set is something that's, like, both being feared and respected. <laughs> respected which it seems to be what the recurring theme of the series is which i think is owed to a lot of i think i think it's being owed a lot to there seems to also be just an overarching message over like respecting blue collar work and you know people who are tradesmen and stuff which i think is very beautiful yeah, good. and i think that would be more emphasized if we actually if the series spend more time in a direction of like here's each episode just being d- dedicated to him fixing something yeah you know what i mean but then it seemed like it quickly already turns into a direction of like, oh, yeah, there actually is going to be stakes here. And it's like, oh, OK, sure. Uh, <laughs> we have to fight the Dark Lord or something. Yeah, I don't or know. just like, <laughs> I don't know, oh, I don't know what's there's gonna something happen, afoot. Like and it's like, maybe there doesn't have yeah, to yeah. be something afoot. Maybe you can just like repair a yeah. fence. OK, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I I. I don't think I have it in me to try that one, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. Just like I, I enjoyed mm-hmm. the Beast Tamer log every time. Uh, <laughs> I'll look forward to this. Or maybe I, I hope that I can look forward to this. I hope that it doesn't go too crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I know you always have your plate full of <laughs> yeah. the same things. So I just have so the much. isekai limit, right? You get like you can carry up to three uh-huh. at a time or you go in frenzy damage. Right. Yeah. Um Maverick, I, I I I mentioned it before. I would love to hear about High Card. I really would. I I've been very curious about it. I've been hearing good things. Uh what's going on in the kingdom of Fordland? Fordland? Uh yeah, uh the kingdom of Fordland. Uh, so, I think like if you were a fan of Jackie Chan Adventures, <laughs> okay. That is where (laughs) my initial, like, setup would be in terms of trying to sell something. Okay, I can see it now, thinking about the synopsis. I can think about that. Yeah, because, like, um, in in this kingdom, there are 52 X-playing cards, is what they're called. Each card has a specific power tied to it. You know, 52 set of cards. Um, Each suit has its own, like, 10 set of cards, each with their own sort of um abilities i don't know if there's been anything in particular that's been highlighted as to what like um the cards correspond to or what they might actually try and like get across to i think there might be uh, there might be some idea as to what they might be but basically like um the cards are stolen about a month before our actual setup and they get into the hands of people because uh, much like any other mystical power that has multiple sets of it, you know, they are attracted to the person that will play them. They, they are attracted to their player, so to say. And so our hero, Finn, is sort of just like a pickpocketer, a thief, uh, trying to help out his, like, orphanage that he grew up in however he can between landlords trying to clear stuff out and just the general advancement of production. Uh, he decides, I'm going to go try and... Uh, swindle some people at the casino try and like make my hand that way he ends up getting involved with um uh, the one of the only lucky lunchmen 
Poor, sweet, lucky Lunchman. What an <laughs> insane name. The insanest name, and I wish there were more Lucky Lunchmen, but he gets killed. <gasps> no! <gasps> yep. Not so lucky after all. I know. His Ten of Diamonds card, Unlucky Pokey, which granted him pre-natural luck. But, um, basically, everything goes wrong in this one night, and uh, as a result, Finn is given the choice to join the uh, organization High Card, a group tasked by the King of Forland to get all 52 cards while they moonlight as a salesman for the Pinocchio Car Company. And so between threats of rival companies, other people that want to get their hands on these cards, uh, Finn and his uh, team, which consists of Chris Redgrave, the person who wields the Five of Hearts, uh, the ability that allows him to convert excess calories into basically regeneration power, uh, Leo Constantine Pinocchio, the 14-year-old son of the CEO and King of Forland, who has the ability never know dollars, which basically converts money into anything that he needs on the spot. Uh, Wendy Sato, the daughter of a master swordsman from the Far East, who wields the Ace of Spades that can summon love and peace, a large sword with a mind <laughs> of its own. And Vijay Kumar Singh, a PhD student uh, at the University of Cribbage. Oh, I, I didn't know that one yet. <laughs> who, who um, has the three of clubs with the power of green green, where he can communicate with nearby plants and control them. That's our main cast, and we are slowly getting through other um, abilities, you know, as we go through this whole, this whole fantastic journey. And I've been digging it so far. Like, like it is so wanting to set up the grand stakes of, like, here's the betrayals and the twists that might come up here is what everyone's dealing with. And at the same time, like it manages to have a main crew that is like pretty likable. Like um, each episode so far has been introducing each individual member of high card. And so this past week was Wendy's solo episode. I assume next week will be Vijay's and then we'll kind of just get into the rest of the um uh, series proper but at the same time you know we've been seeing a lot of different powers and a lot of different abilities like if i had to make any guesses as to what the like setup is for each suit spades i think are probably dealing with actual weaponry because um finn has the two of spades which is kind of just like a he can summon a revolver and bullets like that. He just has like ammo on him that he can carry at all times. Ace of spades is a very powerful sword. Uh, the hearts I believe are more so based on like actual physical changes. Um, diamonds I think are potentially just like actual, like similar to alchemy is the best way I could explain it where there's another villain in that initial episode, Bobby Ball. <laughs> God, these names are always fun to I remember out. Bobby Ball from the description, looking at the cast listing. <laughs> I really like like he can turn he, he can turn anything into marbles and then use those as, like, projectiles. <laughs> and then with 
clubs, I assume that's more of a um like nature setup. I want to say that the um most recent card was something involving like fire and that might have also been through clubs as well. So th- there's at least like a theme to it that makes sense and I dig it. Like it- it's interesting to see how they're really trying to flesh out the um yeah, seven of clubs lethal scoville. Like it it really feels like someone just noticed how everything is going in terms of just overall like battle mechanic and like just it's a good litmus test of where a lot of these tropes are and given the fact that the manga only started or there is a manga attached to it that started back in August because like this is a whole uh, multimedia franchise is what it's being described as between <laughs> the manga a novel series that'll be out drama CDs and oh an my anime. god yeah, it, it it seems like the kind of thing that like would definitely have a lot of exploration with what it's going for, and I've just been having a blast so far. The, the most recent episode is fun because you get to see Wendy is just a cringe fail girl who, when she has to use Ace of Spades and actually try and like, you know, wield the power because her dad held it in the past. He lived a life of solitude, so like. He's like, oh man, you got to do the same thing until he's dying. And he's like, actually, no, I know you're going to be a very good person that can have so many friends, but you're going to be grappling with this all the time. <laughs> and so when she tries to use love and peace, it's a whole thing where <laughs> like, it, it is literally just, she gets mean and her boobs get bigger. Hmm. And it rocks that there is a person there with regeneration powers who she just actively is slicing because it's like, oh, this is fun. All right. I mean, I like to hear that. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. I- I've been having a great time with it. I am. Um, I'm glad it turned out good because I when we were reading that description, it sounded insane. And I remember we looked at the studio and it was like very hit or miss for what they've made. Uh, I think they're the the people who made uh, what a uh, toilet Hanako kun or whatever it's called. Uh, that was a great production. Um, I believe so. Well, actually, it's handled by Studio Hibari specifically through TMS. Okay. And what they've done recently is uh, they did the Tekken Bloodline anime. That's right. And they they did a fucking. Uh, <sighs> Uh, the Monster Girl one, right? Aren't they? They did Monster Strike. Did they do Monster? I thought they did Monster Musume for some reason. Oh, no, they were, they co-did it. Okay, I see, I see. Yeah, Yeah, that seems like it, but... A lot of stuff that seems just like... I don't know, kind of just hit or miss still, but... It's interesting to see this one just really lean into, again, I think like it leans well into what's already been presented for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so that really just like gives a cushioning in terms of what to anticipate. I'm not expecting it to be like mind bending or whatever else, but like it's really good just week to week. Let me see what's happening here and tune in. 
because I know I'm going to have a good time. Fair enough. I'm excited. I think I'm probably going to watch it later tonight myself and see how it is. So hopefully I can get caught up this time for real and discuss it with you in the future. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, I've been watching a bunch, so I, I but I, I can sort of rapid fire mine. I feel like, mm-hmm. like, uh, not a lot of them are like super dense. Um, get the isekai one out of the way. Uh, campfire cooking in another world is, I believe the only like actual isekai I'm watching the revolutionary princess one is also one, but I'll get to that later. Um, so Campfire Cooking in Another World with My Absurd Skill um, is a Studio Mappa isekai, which is insane, conceptually, to me. Hmm. Um, it I would not say it has the uh, the Mappa-like banger quality or anything, but it, it, it's, it's decent. <laughs> um, the whole conceit of the show is just this dude gets isekai, like, summoned to another world. He's just a 27-year-old businessman, and... Uh, I, I immediately I gotta say the way that like anime treats twenty seven year olds like they're forty is like driving me insane. Recently, like they like draw them like they would draw like a forty year old man, and like have them have the habits of like a forty year old man. And it's like I don't. You could people need to be more normal about ages in fiction. That's all. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah so this guy gets summoned and it's like oh all the like high schoolers in front of him all get like uh you know oh lightning magic so on and so forth and then his is just online shopping is his only ability um and so he they they're just like uh here take some money and leave like we don't <laughs> we don't need you okay just leave us alone we're going to we're going to like we're trying to do some like cool epic isekai wars or whatever and we don't really need you so he's like, damn, they're going to war. This country seems bad. I'm going to leave the country. Um, so he, he like leaves the country and he runs into this big wolf Fenrir. And he's like, oh, don't kill me. I can make you delicious food. So he makes him like food from his online shopping thing, which is the, quite literally he opens a like browser screen in front of him. And he has to put his like medieval coins into it. Uh, to have Shut a balance, up. and he gets great prices on all of this food that he can order, and it immediately appears after he orders it. And it's like shit, like, like it's like there's like a bunch of jokes where like people, are like, this is the best soup I've ever had, and he's just like, it's like instant onion soup that he's just made. Um. Lots of stuff like that. But, like, you know, you know, it, it is fundamentally a cooking show. Like, he's making a lot of different dishes and stuff like that. I think they've integrated it with, uh, like, a dungeon meshy angle, almost, I would say. Mm-hmm. Of, like, he's cooking monsters that his dog is getting him, basically. Uh, the dog is a great character. Uh, he's just, like, a real asshole. He loves eating. Um, he's just being, like, a real prick about everything all the time. But he's, like super hanging out and it's like but it's like he he also has the energy of like whenever people are like oh like like trying to get him the main character to do something this dog comes up and is like hey are these guys bothering you <laughs> like type stuff all the time and just be like leave him alone he's just a guy um 
it's just it's fun you know it's nothing crazy it's nothing like super mind-blowing or anything but i think like it has the energy of the isekai that i enjoy where um i think i talk about this a lot they don't have a persecution complex um there are bad bad people in the world but like the average stranger you meet is more likely to just be like normal or like at worst disinterested right um, I think a lot of isekai run into the problem where they they really, really want to make it, like, gritty and, like, oh, like, everyone's out to get you except for the nice, like, lady that you'll jo- will join your party with the other nice four ladies who are the only nice people in this world or whatever, you know. Um, but this one's just, like, everyone's been pretty nice. Like, some people are, like, a little, like, agitated at first or, like, very dismissive and then, like, he'll just, like be normal to them and they'll be like oh he's just a normal guy okay like we can just be normal and hang out um i really liked the adventuring party he went with just had a very generic paladin dude who was just like loving all of the food that he was making just like this is the best bread of all like he may fucking invented like a fucking pork cutlet sandwich basically when he made him food, he was like, wait, we could put this in the bread. And oh my God, <laughs> it was just like, it's good. It's just nice. Uh, I, again, not, not like chainsaw man budget put behind this one or anything, but it's, uh, it's cool. I, I think there needs to, I would love it if 90% of Isekai were like this one, hmm. I think. Um, and I guess I can just say that one. The other, the other isekai I've been watching out of the way. Uh, so it's, oh boy, what is the full title? Revolutionary. It's the the revolution of what rev. I had it written down here. It's the magical revolution of the reincarnated princess and the genius young lady. So this one is also an isekai. They haven't really delved into that much at all because they've been sort of getting into setting up the world. Um, this one we had dismissed out of hand, I think, uh, immediately when we were doing our, our previews, because there's a lot of these that are, uh, you know, they like to say they're Yuri and then they're not or whatever, or like, it's very like, uh, I hesitate to use the term Yuri bait, but you know, that, that sort of situation. The, the description was very like bland in a way that was like, yeah. wow, how do you softball me? Uh, on what should be something pretty interesting yeah exactly and i think that was just a bad description because the actual show like is i wouldn't say it's like thrilling or anything but it's fun it's about like this this girl who's the princess and she abdicated the throne basically her right to the throne because she wanted to invent basically technology that let like they live in like a class-based society obviously because every isekai is that right and uh I mean, most societies are that, I guess, fortunately. Um, and uh, the whole the whole conceit of that society is like, you're royalty, you have magic, and that makes you better than everyone, blah, blah, blah. So she wanted to create technology that would be more accessible to the public and let people use magic, basically, even if they're not royalty. Um, and that's like the main crux of what she's doing. She's doing a lot of research. And she's doing it with her brother's fiance, who her brother just like very publicly like dumped her uh, hmm. in the middle of like a big party. So she just like rescued her from that situation and was just like, I, you can be my assistant. This is great. Um, 
and so they're just sort of doing it like she's the the fiance is like extremely like you know like oh she's really good at magic so she can be like her guinea pig for everything um and it's just this energy of just like i'm inventing like a tea kettle let's see how this goes oh i'm inventing swords let's see how this goes how will this affect warfare like how will this affect all these other stuff it's it's very like very very um low key it's not like anything fantastical happening i i like the overarching goal of like this idea of making stuff accessible to public um the main part of the show that i'm really enjoying is the fiance's dad and the main character's dad who's the king have this like gay old man energy going on where they're just like constantly hanging out and being like like just talking about their daughters or whatever and like the king fucking hates his daughter because like he lo- he loves her obviously but you know like he gets he's like extremely like constantly at the edge of his rope because she's in like you know doing insane experiments and blowing shit up all the time and uh there's just a lot of fun of just him being like she's so smart she's so normal why does she have to be like an insane lesbian in public all the time like stuff like that like there's a lot of like actual genuine like hitting on like the the main character girl is like constantly relentlessly hitting on this other girl and the other girl's like um okay uh it's just fun like if you're looking for yuri i think this this is a good one this season um i think someone made the joke of like this gundam or what this gundam and licorice recoil has been like the uh the 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 ever-increasing amount of actual lesbian content in a yuri anime um but this being the the highest level probably and i think that's true like they outright are just saying like lesbian and stuff like that so uh it's just refreshing i think in a way that's like you don't expect them to just outright say that sort of thing i guess but it's uh it's pretty good um which i was glad because again like i said that description was very bad uh the description like made it sound like it was really boring and then i was like i saw people on twitter talking about it and then i was like all right i'll just try it and it was good it was fun I think some episodes are a little, like, not a lot happening so far. I think there's only three episodes out, or maybe four. I think there's four. Um, and, like, the third episode was, like, very much, like, not a lot happened, but it's it's fine so far. I expect that out of, like, you know, a novel adaptation. Um, Yeah, uh, that's only, the only isekais I'm watching this season. Thank you god uh there's not that many uh compared to the past and i get to be a lot more choosy about it there you go that that's the key difference <laughs> that's the that's that it is the key difference uh um lv yeah. i'm behind on irama but i would like to hear about it uh mm-hmm. i'm like four episodes behind now because i think the new season oh, messed okay. me up but <clears throat> oh, how's yeah. it going um, it's getting scary. Oh. <laughs> it's getting fucked up. Yuruma always has this thing of like, oh, wow, love Yuruma. I, I recommend this wholesome series to anyone. Love, love all these characters. Love Yuruma especially. We got, we got a gang of friends. We got a gang of class, you know, and then, and then the tournament arcs, which is the season, yeah. right? 
But you know, they're they're knee deep in this fucked up forest labyrinth, what have you. This <laughs> they're they're knee deep here. Um I don't know. To summarize it, right, the gang um, is, you know, separated, right? They're all trying to figure out how to get, how the fuck to get out, how to finish this, this challenge, essentially. Um, and they're, they're actually all seen, like, um, not seen, they're encountering fake doppelgangers of each other. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's scary. And it's like, oh, so then it actually now kind of makes you look back at the last couple of episodes where it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's, oh, I see. All right. Um, the most recent one I saw, I know there was another episode where I think they finally do get out of the forest. I, I believe that's actually the, the, actually the most recent episode I didn't see yet. But before that, uh, <laughs> Clara was actually in danger. That was all, <laughs> it was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, you know, Osmodius, you know, Askun, uh, <laughs> he's still fine. He's, he's still, he's still thriving out there. Um, again, all, everyone's all separated for Irumu, you know, and he's still pining after him, etc. Um, it's true. And because Clara still gets a song in, in this episode. <laughs> um, yet she's like in peril. She's literally in peril. Well, what else would she uh, say? They do a little, they do a little rewinding of time back when she was in that fucked up Gleipnir suit. Uh, <laughs> and it was kind of, it was, it was a little, at first I was like, I, I felt like it was a little off, like, not off character, but a little, um, I don't know, I felt like the tone of, the tonally, this particular episode was very, very, like, uh, jarring, I think, especially, you know, even with the fucked up antagonist of the first season, you know, as much as, as much as, like, we have a terrorist who wants to bomb the school? You know, what I mean, like this one particularly was just viscerally like it was really unpacking like um, Clara's insecurities uh, in such a way that was like, oh my god, this is I'm feeling secondhand anxiety from this. Um, where she, you know, tr again, it's it tr truly. Um, I think she truly is. I think she she truly loves Yoruba. Um. And she's having, like, all of her insecurities are basically, like, unfurling. And she's, like, by herself. I, I forgot exactly what exactly happened again. Uh, she she somehow was left alone in the forest uh, by herself. Um, and she encounters, like, a fake Yoruba. And, that, <laughs> and, and it, was, it was fucked up. The fake Yoruba was, like, being... Not not actually doing anything physically to her, but being like verbally abusive, uh, like being very verbally manipulative, That's saying not things right. like, uh, like oh you need to, I, I forget exactly what the exact thing he was saying, but saying things like oh you need to do this because you want my friendship, or you know like oh no, <laughs> like really like sh like on the level of like you know like what is the shittiest thing you can say to like a kid right you know so it's it's actually not that bad in hindsight right if you think about it as an adult but very much stuff like oh my god um but it was fine because at the end of the day Yoruba what actual real Yoruba you know breaks the illusion and steps in and and and, and all that and like slowly a lot of the classmates are kind of now conve reconvening back together finding each other <laughs> but it's truly like what is that this this whole arc so far was just they're just putting these kids in barrel. It's so upsetting, <laughs> but it's okay. Yeah, I don't know. Clara, Clara, it's just they just put 
Korra during trauma episode. It's fucked up. Uh, so yeah, curious where it goes after this. It, it does seem like they do finally get out of the woods. The fucked up woods, the woods of the illusion. I forgot exactly what was the rationale explaining what was going on, but for sure it was just like, yeah, the woods are fucked up. Yeah, yeah et cetera. Illusion magic, it, it, all that, you know. Um, but yeah, it's overall, yeah, Iruma's still going. That's that's all I can say. That's my my minute Iruma update. Yeah. <laughs> it was just the best of Quara episode. That's fucked up, but I guess she was due it one. Is up. <laughs> She's had it too good for too long, you know. She's yeah. They're like, <laughs> we need to make this character upset yeah. now. Sometimes you just get the darkness in you when you're writing, and you're just like, I think, I think, what if Clara was crying? I don't know. This would be yeah. That was that was it. I was like, oh, she was actually cry- <laughs> like actually upset, like. Like, it was really bad. <laughs> no, draw her in abject misery. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like every manga writer has to get to that point, right? Where you're just like, you know what? Things have been too good for too long. Fuck you. Like, no. <laughs> uh, no. I, gotta, I hopefully can get caught up on that soon because I'm going to drop some of the shows I'm watching. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> it's coming. Um,. <laughs> So I want to talk to you about about block. something Maverick, but I do want to finally let you fucking talk about Gundam because you have not been able to talk about Gundam, uh, even though you've been watching it for like the last month, I think. About yeah. Uh, no, I mean, God, at some point, um, earlier in the year, I want to say, or even last year, I started getting through the original 0079 Gundam. I as I assume many people have, you know, subscribe to the Great Gundam Project, follow along with Abnormal Mapping. I, I do all of that, um, or partially. I've done some series where it's like, oh, you know, I watched Wing in the past. I can just do a rewatch of it and go through it that way. I've done, like, a little bit of um, OHMS Team. That was a new experience. It was on Hulu, so it was easy to access. Let me go ahead and do that. For now, I've decided, let me start fresh with Universal Century, go from there, and see where it takes me. And so, yeah, I want to say in December, I finished up 0079, and it was a blast. Like, it is really just a testament to the actual formula of the series. Like, so much of what makes anime as we know it currently exists in that early iteration and just like it gets repetitive for the fact that it is like a weekly saturday morning cartoon but at the same time there is so much effort uh, that is presented and not only talking about this like you know war story what exactly happens to a kid that has to like pilot a tank each week but the the way that it all just sort of like wraps itself around by the end where the introduction of new types is really just this incredible thing that they don't talk about just like ex- that they are explicit about is sort of just like this next sensation, this next idea and is the thing that kind of does um, guide a lot of the um, continuing universal century. Like just what I'm seeing um, afterwards, but Compilation movies are there. I would say it still is worth it to get through the entirety of the original show. It has Kukuru's Doan's Island, which Zaku Karate rules. And for whatever reason, it was (laughs) 
for whatever reason, it's not in the actual, like, U.S., like, order. Yeah, that was weird when I was watching. But it's fun. Like, they already made a movie out of that recently, which I don't think it needs. But who am I to judge? Um, I know the compilation movies have stuff that basically are sort of, like, the main implications going forward. But also, like just if if you're ever curious about oh i want to get into gundam where do i start 0079 it is right there it is available it is a lot of getting adjusted to the way like things were in the 70s and early 80s but it really just gives you a roadmap for everything else and so after essentially crushing like the second half of uh 0079 i said oh let me let me start Zeta Gundam, and I'm like about 18 episodes into Zeta Gundam, and it is firing on all cylinders. Like, it is immediately tossing you into uh, what was originally, you know, Zeon and the Earth Federation is now the Earth Federation's new Titans unit, which are the blatantly fascist, um, like, just hater supremes. Just real, <laughs> just real not fun guys you you hate Mm-mm. to see them when they're on screen you love to see them when they get blown up and they're fighting the um anti-earth union group i want to say the aug and despite it sounding like a very very wholesale um setup they are specifically yeah the like one, they're the protagonists that we're following, and two, they're specifically against the Earth Federation, which also um, is really just like giving an idea as to what exactly make up the factions and the associations in Gundam. Because I think it's very easy to look at the original, and part of it is that it leans into this so wholesale. Where it's like, oh, Zeon are just a bunch of Nazis. Like, that's the immediate allegory. Of course, I'm supposed to root for the Earth Federation. And that does lend itself some credence with how things get presented. There's at least enough actively going badly in the Earth Federation as well that you can say, oh, hey, they're maybe not all great. I I don't think that this is a, like, general black and white skill that we're working on. But we'll see where that goes. Zeta is immediately, like, tossing itself more into this idea of different factions within these uh, spots. You're bringing up the ideas of, like, a space-noid versus an earth-noid. Now that you have people actively living on the colonies and growing up in space, how exactly does that affect the relationship to humans on Earth? Is there a difference? Is there another way to classify all this now that we're starting to break away from that in essential you know nomenclature like if we have already come to a point beyond the nation state what's keeping us to staying specifically to one celestial body and it's exploring some of those themes and wanting to do more exploration i think as we go on and where the story is going it also is tackling just sort of ways where it's like you know when does heroism die um in regard to one's own like um imprisonment uh what exactly is the role of children when it comes to a lot of these scenarios and the perpetuation of war uh 
a lot of slapping. I, I gotta say, the slap quotient is exceedingly higher than I anticipated. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what it's like in Zeta at all, but let me tell you, Tolo 79. Uh, Zeta, it feels like once an episode. That's crazy. I feel like it's basically that the mid midpoint of the original. Like it's like Bright is busting it out all the time. Bright is like if Bright doesn't get to slap someone once a week, he loses it. Oh yeah, but then it's very funny that like um, it, it immediately it's sort of like it's a recompense. Like there there is a shot of just Bright getting his ass handed, and it's hilarious. <laughs> But, the bright world's oldest nineteen-year-old. Oh, uh, that again! That hairline is not nineteen. <laughs> no, not at all. Like maybe, maybe now that he's uh, twenty-seven, I want to say. Like it's more becoming, but nineteen. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Yeah, and who knows? Like, my, my main bit is that I did want to finish Zeta before this episode and just be like, oh, yeah, you know, I got through it and I'm going to start double Zeta. But then video games happened. Ugh, God. Yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I think, like, this season um, for, like, uh, winter feels like the season that I'm actually going to be able to catch up on the UC that's crazy but godspeed i mean i'm doing like two four episodes a day whenever i do get them in so it's not like i'm just stalling on it and especially right now zeta's at least at a point where it's like i'm wanting to get more of it which helps get through the whole 50 episodes of it i am that's what i'll say like the pacing Sometimes it gets bad, I'm not going to lie, but there are moments where it just has a good flow, and it's like, wow, I gotta watch the next one. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was curious about your take on who I believe is the most insane character in original Gundam, which is Slegger. Oh my god, Slegger Law sucks, and it's hilarious that they try and make us care about him. It's like, it's maybe the most barefaced I've seen a show try to make you care about someone who sucks. In like, it's gonna die, and you gotta care about him so bad you don't understand. Him eating that fucking cheeseburger was like... Yeah. Like, there's a version of Slugger Law that's, like, cool. Yeah. But by the end of it, they really just beef it. No, they completely beefed it. Everything that he does with Mirai is fucking insane. All of that is insane. I have no idea what that subplot was at all. Like, it feels like they maybe wanted the Earth Federation to have their own Rumble Rawl, but also they did not land again on what makes Rumble Rawl so great. Yeah, no. Especially when you already have Kai and Hayato doing a lot of, like, the legwork. It was weird. Like, just bad... They, they really shifted the vibes on the white base. 
Yeah. I, I feel like the vibes in White Base are like constantly getting fucked in new and exciting ways. In general, yeah, but then it's like you know, you you throw a wrench in particularly and it's like, oh man, I'm it's it's a sad day in White Base for everybody. Nobody liked what Slugger Law did. <laughs> God uh... There's, like, something about that, like, three quarters of the way through original Gundam where everything is just insane all the time. It is just that Romba Rall sequence, I think. Just that whole arc is, like... Because it starts with, like, the insane Amuro dad stuff. (sighs) Well, no, because then it's like, oh, Amuro, you gotta go pilot the Gundam. I need you to do this to... We stay on Earth for a bit. Rumble Roll shows up. He's like, hey, you're a pretty cool soldier. Like, it, it's incredible that you're doing this stuff. I, I see you, White Base. You are truly formidable opponents. And then when they get to space, Amuro just realizes his dad has, like, space point. He, he has, like, low oxygen poisoning, basically. Because all he can do is just make gadgets. And not even, like, making anything. He's just playing with junk. And saying, like, oh, this will be the cool thing that'll help the Gundam. And it's like, oh, God, I... Yeah. This isn't working. I'll I'll go and finish it, hopefully, this week. And then I'll be on Zeta Gundam. Yeah, again, that last stretch of episodes, too, because of the fact that it's so focused on new types, is spectacular to watch. And Char does some of the silliest shit. That's really why I need to do it, because I immediately loved Char the second I started watching that series. Like, I understood everything immediately. I understood, like, 40 years of media. Oh, and it gets bad. Zeta only gives you so much more love for Char. I'm... He really is the most insane man of all time, probably. I mean, there's a reason he has to counterattack. <sighs> and I'm not even there yet. Um, you know, not to not to keep going on, but I did want to um, talk to you a little bit about Trigun as well. Oh yeah, um, let's go. So I was curious immediately. Have you? consumed original trigun before this not really i I feel like i tried to get to trigun during the pandemic and then it just really like slipped by me not for any particular reason just like i was already watching cowboy bebop i was trying Mm -hmm. to watch some other stuff It, it just got shuffled in to everything else i was trying to catch up on okay then we're on the same level here um i also i don't really know much um I don't think I I'd messed up. I think I tried reading it in middle school or something, maybe. And uh, have no recollection of it. But uh, I've really been enjoying Stampede. Um, I think it's a really neat little show that they've made, and I'm so happy to see you know Studio Orange doing something again because they are consistently showing that you can make CGI anime that looks good. Yeah, not like. When it comes to the actual animation of each episode, I've been so impressed and just been having a great time just actually, you know, getting into it. 
I think it's been a really fun show, and I can only imagine what's going to be coming out now as they're getting to whatever, like, culmination point they want to get to. I know that, like, a lot of people have been either, like, divided or, like, soured on it because of, you know, their association to the original, and I don't know, like, it it is a viewpoint I understand, but I can't, uh, truly can't share because of the fact that I'm detached from the original. Like, I've had people say, oh, watch the first season, because, or watch the first show, because immediately they're, they're spoiling stuff. That um, you like, learn later on, and it's like, I get it, but at the same time, is that is this not what they would want me to know in this way? Like, yeah, like what I was thinking was this: this ex- knowing the original author is extremely involved with this and wrote it, uh, extremely gives me the vibes of you know Trigon was a week to week series and. They wanted to go back and just clean it up into their, like, you know, idealized vision of where they got to eventually, you know? Yeah. And especially now after the fact and having all the pieces to play with, which makes sense to me. And especially yeah. knowing that the, you know, that uh, Naito, the, he, he spells it like N-I-G-H-T-O-W, right? I think so, yes. God. Fucking Westabu. <laughs> You'd have to be to make Trigun. <laughs> I, I guess, but like, Yasuhiro, alright. Night. N I G H T O W. Sickest guy of all time. God. Not even like a dash O. You have a T O W. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even a dash O would have been good. Also made Blood Blockade Battlefront, which makes sense. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. God, I, I'm annoyed at how, like, you just inherently have cool vibes. <laughs> um, yeah, like, the, like a two year weekly series. Well, that and then Maximum, which continued, like, for a whole decade. But, yeah, it, it makes sense if this is, like, a want to just take the series and do a little spin on it. I have to say immediately, the thing that really sold me... Well, not immediately, because it was a few episodes in now, but I was so sold on making million knives. Uh, Spencer was telling me this, because, again, I don't know much about original Trigon. That uh, Million Knives, uh, Vash's brother, who is, I believe, the main antagonist, um, mm-hmm. in this adaptation, they gave him a million knives. They did. And oh, apparently in the original, he never used any knives. At all. Um, and I think that is fantastic revisionism. I think this is great. I I will not deny that there is a beauty in a character named Million Knives who never uses knives, but I think it is even better when it is exactly what it says on the tin when it comes to being named Million Knives. Um, Especially because they went so cool with it, you know? Like, it's like, oh, the fact that he wears knives as clothes is crazy. It's great. It's such a cool idea. Yeah, and I guess the other part of it, too, is, like, people are sad that Millie isn't in it, and... Yeah. 
like, again, I get it. But also, if you have me having to say, let them cook at a series for not including a girl yet, or, like, specifically, like, the big girl yet, like, that lets you know just how, how I would say out of proportion the um current, like, fervor is. I... I'm definitely in the mindset of you of, like, let it cook, like, for real. Like, we don't know yet. It's crazy that, like, so much has changed in this adaptation and people are still thinking, like, yeah, she's just gone, you know? Like, maybe I'll eat my words, but I I doubt that that is the case, you know? I don't think Roberto De Niro has legs, as it were. There's definitely a purpose to Roberto, and, like, my... Like, truly, the setup, I assume, is... Once they're in a good setup, and specifically once Meryl is actually more, like, cocksure of herself, for whatever reason, like, um, he'll be out of it, and then Millie, or the equivalent to Millie, will come in. I was thinking about it, and I think my only pro- So, like, I've been watching this with my wife, who loves Trigun, and she hasn't had any problems with it. I think she's really enjoying that it's, like, you know, a more novel take on things. Because I think it's like, you know, you've you've already seen original, original Trigon. You can see something new. You can see something different. Um, but uh, the thing, the one complaint that she had that I agreed with completely was that Meryl was a uh, an insurance agent in the original. Yeah. And I do think that is way better than journalist in the tone of that world. I think the energy of a woman who is coming to do claims on things because this dude is destroying everything, getting pissed off with him is much better than, you know, rookie journalist that you've seen a million times. Um, that yeah, is my, I mean, like, if, yeah, I would say as well, like it is a very active, like change and specifically from those professions, I would say, because one is much more active than the other. Or rather, like, with, with insurance collections agent, I know, like, eventually, yeah, like, this is going to come back around to that in some way. Or, like, they are already actively trying to be in pursuit of someone. Whereas with the journalism route, there's a lot more that probably will get uncovered there. Um, Roberto has, like, said that, you know, our uh, service may be ship, but we at least have enough of an information collection that we can actually, like, get our way around the desert. And, like, have some pretty sweet um, info on how to do so. So I, I feel like there's more there as well. And, again, maybe it comes around to, hey, congratulations, you're a senior editor. Now go ahead and take um, this young reporter, Millie, along with you. Yeah, sure. Um, Elvie, what yeah. is Little Edgawa Gremlin Mysteries? Is that referring to... Uh... Um, yeah. So, uh, Bungo Straight Bogs is back for a freaking fourth season. I wow. think this is... Yeah, I fourth think season. that is true. Yes, this, three this definitely show, exists. Yeah, so... Yeah, um... Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, had a, they had a movie, like, two years ago. I, I watched it, and I, I don't... I can't, I can't tell you what That's happened. That's most anime I, it's a, such a, It was such a nothing movie. <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, when's the last, that, like, anime series that got a movie adaptation that you remember? Like, 
that's not Dragon Ball. I okay, mean, like, well, Dragon Ball is like, a special case. Yeah, but that also that's also weird territory because like those are original stories yeah. made for the movie, and then the manga, uh, the manga is like oh, at a weird wait. divergence between Dragon Ball at this point, so it's not even really. You know, I can't um, even say that because fucking Maverick went and saw One Piece Red like a couple months ago, right? Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah, I, I like Mugen Train. Yeah, I was, uh, was going to bring up Mugen Train. Like Mugen, you know what? Fuck me. I guess yeah, yeah. you know what? I'm wrong. You know what? I'm, I'm eating it yeah. here. That was a yeah, solid there's one. There's a bunch, I guess. I, I, I'm so used to the era of Naruto and Bleach movies that were just completely dog <laughs> shit. I, I mean, don't worry. Yeah, being you insane have My Hero Academia movies, but then even <laughs> That's like, true. <laughs> even then, from what I hear, it's like, oh, I had a good time. I don't know if I'm yeah. thinking about it a lot, but I at least had a good time. Hmm. Yeah, I don't watch also a lot of series that are long running like this, that are kind of like to the point of like, yeah. okay, yeah, this yeah, is like a franchise sure. thing, you know, franchise level where, yeah, it would have movie tie ins and all that. Like, I don't really watch a lot of those, um, like, proactively, you know, <laughs> on my plate at the moment at the same time. So, yeah. That's not Bad Apple. Oh, God, I've seen Bad Apple. I think it, wait, I think it was called Bad Apple, that movie. <laughs> I think that is true. I think I th- you are correct. Yes, because yeah, I think yeah. I remember my friend talking uh, about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but everything being adapted is based off of some sort of pre-existing Bungo Stray Dogs um, format, some sort of medium. Um, so... Season four right now is not continuing directly uh, after the events of season three. Um, the manga is like I don't know how many. I'm, I'm not reading the manga really. I, I don't. I'm not really following the manga. But like I know that's a bajillion volumes already in. Um, so instead, for some reason, instead they chose season four to start off as an adaptation of a couple of light novels <laughs> that apparently exist of this series that already has like a long manga. Uh, for you know, which makes sense. I, I you know I I think that gives a lot of opportunity for the author to just to just have stories of these characters without needing to like be paired up with an artist. So, um, you know, speaking of Westabu ass, uh, the author's uh, pseudonym is Kafka Asagiri. You know, and it's very apparent because again, this is a seri- unhinged series about uh, characters that are named after mm-hmm. literary, literary authors and writers, right? So, um, there's an amazing photo I literally just found today because I was curious. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, is there? I really like when like mangaka and just writers they have like a little silly. Oh yeah. Yeah, of yeah, themselves. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Or they get again, or if they're if they're not the artist and they're pure artists and they just draw. You know, I love it. Um, I looked up, okay, how does Kafka Asagiri look like? And I was like, all these, all this time watching a series, I, you know, I only decide to look this up. And again, it's a pseudonym. Um, there is a photo of him, and it's a confirmed him uh, thus far. Um, a man of some sort. <laughs> He's standing in front of, I, I think, I think this was like a new release of one of the recent manga volumes. And he's standing between these two old guys. They're pretty badass looking, and they're standing next to paper card. You know the paper sta- the car the huge life size cardboard standees of their anime characters. So apparently, there's been new Bungo Stray Dogs uh, characters that are named after authors who are still alive. <laughs> so uh, that's th- that's what these two old guys are standing next to, and they're it's like really wild. So I wonder what they thought of that. Um, 
when for the most part, all of these authors that, you know, they're named after, these are characters, people who have passed away, like, you know, in quite a classic. But yeah, in between these two guys is Kafka Asagiri himself, and he is covering his face with a book. So that's it. I'm sorry, that was a very long-winded place to get there. But it's quite honestly a very good photo. And so if you look up his name, that's all you're getting. You're getting this awful, <laughs> awkward photo of a man covering his face with a book. Um, and yeah. Bungo Stray Dogs, uh, a weird series that is only very loosely based on literature. Um, and yeah, honestly, like, you know, the Trigun conversation, you know, what, like, yeah, like, here, here, and High Card, actually, like, I think, like, a weird synthesis of those two things, where, yeah, you have these characters with bizarre abilities that are very loosely defined by who they're named after and all that. But yeah, to get to the actual, like, what's going on this season four, like I was saying, uh, it's just based on these two light novels. Um, again, so far, I don't know what the rest of the series is going to be like. Um, that are That is a prequel to the events of the manga series. So these light novels are actually exploring the origin stories of some of these characters. As if the manga was not long enough to do that already. So, you know, I don't understand. <laughs> um, so the first couple of episodes focuses on the founding of the organization, which is, again, the Armed Detective Agency, a mystery, you know, investigation agency of people with different abilities and powers. Um, basically, the main protagonist's organization, quote-unquote, the good guys, but not quite right. Um, and it's focusing on the founding of it. Um, Edogo Rampa, Rampo, I'm sorry, um, shows up in this and this is his th th these first couple of episodes is his meeting with the founder of that organization and what led to eventually the formation and recruitment of more members and again as a another repeat of history lesson if one doesn't know Edgar Rompo is basically the equivalent of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle um, one of Japan's most famous uh, mystery novelists um, and yeah, in Mungo Stray Dogs, he's just a fucked up little gremlin man. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's just a baby in this, these first couple episodes, because he's a teenager here. But he doesn't look much different, because, you know, anime character designs just sometimes be like that. He's just shorter looking. So <laughs> I guess that makes him a teenager. But he looks pretty much exactly the same in the main series. But that said, he is apparently the, one of the younger characters, so maybe that's how they get away with it. I don't know. But ultimately, <laughs> what is unhinged? So this year, again, I keep iterating. This series is unhinged. We have we have we. This is basically a superhero villain series. Yeah, I, I think that's the most. That is the most simplistic way to describe the series. It's just like an insane, like oh, here are all these characters that are just duking it out with different powers and different things going on. And honestly, that gives her a fun time, right? Basically, the crux of why the organization organization ends up forming is that, yeah, you got this little guy who, like, loves solving mysteries, and he's, like, a prodigy, and there's this, he confronts this one mystery he can't fucking solve. Like, oh, shit. He, like, all these years later, he has, he has this heart, you know, grudge over a cold case that he doesn't solve. And basically, it, re it revolves around, like, this theater and this murder happening with some of the people associated with this, like, troupe, this, like, theater organization. And, and then eventually someone gets fucking murdered during the show. And it's like, holy shit, okay. Um, and they try to solve it. And they're like, aha, we solved it. 
that's just I, I, just to summarize the details of they solved it. Um, and the apparently like the the uh, like this guy gets mur- I don't know like this is even beyond like Ace Attorney logic of stretching like what are what are the loop yeah basically the guy who gets murdered on stage he was a vampire. Uh, <laughs> so he didn't really die. Mm. All he did was just vomit out some blood he was eating. <laughs> oh. I'm just like laughing, trying to explain his. <laughs> and they say he was fine. And then the real murderer was actually, I don't know, it was very, I can't. You know. <laughs> it's very silly to explain. They're so creative with anyway. the alley. They're just so, they're so creative <laughs> these days. It's so <laughs> And then ultimately, um, but that wasn't the real crime because someone else ends up getting killed and they're like, oh, how could this be? You know what I mean? It's it's just very silly. Because uh, <laughs> that wasn't the real crime. Like, yeah, so they resolved that issue. But someone else, like, ends up getting killed and that was, like, a big... Anyway, that's, like, the first couple episodes of the series, uh, of this season thus far. But I think they're, they're putting closure on this. They're now going to shift their focus on other characters, baby versions of the other characters. So that's that. It's very disjointed. It's very silly, as I expected, because, again, this is an insane series I somehow like. Um, but to just reiterate overall of the quality of the series, again, it's just impressive how, like, when I first watched season one, like, a couple years ago at this point, wow. Um, this it, it certainly got better in quality, like, in terms of, like, okay... Of both like animation too, and just like overall, why why am I like immersed in this? Like, I still remember. I feel like when I first talked about the series on this podcast, like the first episode of season one was the the first couple episodes of very very first season one was just utterly insane because they kept reusing scenes of the first ep- like very clearly they were reusing shots, not altering them at all. Like for several episodes, it was so bleak. It was very much like, why do we see the ladder still of this on the stage? And it's just insane how much like, yeah, I think the anime really propelled like attention to the series in like um, a huge way, uh, despite those very bizarre budget <laughs> issues in the beginning, and also just pacing wise too. It really lingered on like just. Like, it really had the issue of, like, it lingered way too much on, like, one character's woes, I think, in the beginning. And now it just kind of accepted, oh, yeah, this is one of those series where, like, there's a jillion characters and we have to keep, like, you know, jumping around. And, of course, the power of, like, yeah, you know, BL fans, right? You know, that's just, like, okay, you got a bunch of, like, you know, Ikiman characters, so here you go. It just, it just, it just feeds itself, right? So, yeah, um... It's 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 a series that is going <laughs> that I'm still going with. <laughs> I feel like it will always be going. I think it will always be going. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's like I don't fate, know where. I don't right? know when this is going to end. <laughs> Basically, it's like fate, I guess, to an extent. Yeah. The, yeah. Again, the last season three ended with them introducing the American authors, right. and it's like, oh, oh, go, oh no, what's going? Yeah. <laughs> so the Western authors, yeah, we're now dipping our toes with that, and the fact that the manga is at a point where like. I guess we have to use living people now. <laughs> it's just really insane. Oh, no. <laughs> Tom, uh, well, he's not living. I was going to say Tom Clancy's going to appear. And it's... Oh, my it's God. Be nightmare. I, 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 I literally saw a thread of someone saying, you know, is Dan Brown going to show up? <laughs> like, is all... 
That would be great. James Patterson. Oh my god. Do we have R.L. Stein in there yet? Oh, that would be so good, R.L. Stein. (laughs) Oh my god, he would be awesome. Emo boy. Freak shit. Fuck. I hope his power is just throwing slime at people. You know, like there's. <laughs> he has to have the dog <laughs> from the opening of the TV show that gets the horrible. Oh my god! Eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, that's that's good. That's one of these days. One of these days, I'll get back. I watched season one of Bungo Stray Dogs, and I liked it well enough. I thought Desai is like one of the most yeah. insane characters you could make, given the uh, <laughs> the bit with him as yeah. it were. Yeah, they don't do it as much I, that's anymore, what I've heard, which yeah. is good. Um, but for sure, like, that's probably, like, I think the most problematic mm, yeah. in part of the series, which is mostly just that. It's only his character, and it's, like, made out to be a joke, um, which I think is also very, like, reductive of the actual, again, reductive of the actual Osama Nazai and what yeah. happened to him, which was kind of very sad and clearly a man who like went through mental illness and you know it, it's doing the whole thing where again this is a, a just an issue with bl stuff and problem and on gallery you're like oh man this man is mentally ill but don't you think it's cute you know sort of thing uh. right? it's like not great at all um but for sure i've seen them like i've seen not you know i've seen it being less used as a gag at all like maybe it still pops up but it's not like every episode when he shows up he does it you know Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Maverick, I would like to hear your thoughts about Shin Ultraman, especially since you know more about Ultraman than I do. Oh, for sure. that, like barely. St- still more than me, which was zero. Nah, um, Shin Ultraman was a movie that came out uh, last year that did see a release um, uh, this past January with the, uh, very limited run, but all the while, just a fun little, um, thing that a lot of, fe- like, it was fun going that night and seeing just how many people on my feet were also going that night <laughs> in, like, various different theaters that were available. Like, um, it was through Fathom Events, but it specifically had, like, a whole setup of, like, here's some Ultraman trivia for you to figure out, like... Oh Here's yeah, some stuff we're doing to like uh, you know, coincide with the whole release, which is all based on, like the latter like Ultra War stuff that I am. That is light years beyond me, in terms of just how much it's like leaning yeah. into this world that they've more or less created, like as a result of all of this um, process, but. Shin Ultraman itself, I would say, is the reimagining and retelling of the original 1966 Ultraman series, which also kind of leans into a bit of like a recognition of Ultra Q, which was the series that um had started prior uh, that Tsuburaya had worked on, which is more of like a Japanese Twilight Zone with the usage of kaiju as like these monsters that would appear. And Ultraman is sort of like this continuation of that idea with being able to say, you know, where we had this sort of like in uh, like this uncertainty of what exactly like humanity does in the midst of these creatures. Like sometimes there's victory. Sometimes there's just a acceptance of having to live with this new um, happening alongside us. Ultraman is sort of being able to say, you know, what if we did have a guide of sorts to 
follow us and to help us understand this um like entire ecosystem of unknown where eventually we might be able to be able to work on it um and not just be a you know follower of Ultraman but really an equal it, it makes sense that it was something that sprouted from the original creator um and their like development of uh not their development but like their um AG Superaya's like um like growing interest in and I guess adoption of Christianity which you know divorced from context is like oh that's kind of weird are you telling me Ultraman is a Christian series like yeah pretty much yeah like Ultraman is a Jesus allegory the unknowns of like the um the, the kaiju and various creatures that are around are always like framed as either a force that wants to do like harm or sometimes you do get like benevolent forces and stuff and there's usually this idea of you know growth learning curiosity the main team that um you see at all of these sites isn't some like space patrol force or whatever it's specifically the uh science patrol team that is um having to tackle all of these things and the idea that like it's not just you know bureaucracy that'll take care of things with the military and they are actively trying to like talk against the military because you know this is also a post-war post-occupation uh series and to come from one of the people that worked on the original godzilla it makes sense that some of that stuff would carry over in a way that feels like a reckoning with a lot of that but here in shin ultraman we have the um incitement of kaiju which are these uh creatures that kind of like already originated from the earth and the s-class species suppression protocol is a task to eliminate these or at least like neutralize a lot of these threats and we have a um like an attempt to sort of just see what's going on when one of the people that are involved with the uh, security agency Kaminaga we see for a brief second gets injured and then from that uh, there is a introduction to this mysterious giant which we will call Ultraman and then Kaminaga's back seems like he recovered from that injury and we go through a few more um, just it, it feels like a collection of like four separate Ultraman stories that also tackle the beginning middle and more or less like reflect the ending of what the original show was like where we go through uh Gabora and sort of like the initial idea of what those kaiju battles look like then we have aliens that are a bit more intelligent making contact with like uh the original alien Zareb uh coming through and trying to present this idea of like world peace and like um communication amongst the rest of the cosmos but is still a trap that ultimately Ultraman is able to save people from and then we sort of end with the introduction of the alien Mephilus who is ready to um destroy the earth through again similar means of like deception and trickery but Ultraman is able to take care of that one more time before ultimately the rest of the Ultra community says, like, hey, you know, you're helping them maybe too much. You're getting them wrapped up in stuff that is going to, like, ultimately harm them. 
we're gonna have to like take care of this. Um, we're gonna unleash Zeton, which is like this again originally another kaiju, but here's like this anti like this suppression force that they unleash that ultimately leaves um Ultraman like wanting to save the humans and Zofia sort of just like dude why like why do you care about these people and Ultraman's like I don't get it but I'm gonna learn about it and it's really just like I feel like it's hard to really explain what makes Ultraman really like incredible when it's like you know, at the end of the day, it's just these people in monster suits fighting a lot of the time, but there's so much hope that resonates in a lot of the stories and the narrative that even, like, in this reinterpretation, it's just so stunning to witness, and, like, it's so hopeful. I, I know a lot of people like Shin Godzilla, and I still need to see it, and I know I need to appreciate it for what it is, but ultimately it does feel like a... And, and I mean, I'm saying this as well, knowing that there's a lot of argument as to what its themes actually are about, as it relates to um, the earthquakes that were happening at the time, as it relates to the original story as a anti-nuclear um, just like stance on the world, on like the way that the United States handled everything. Like th there is so much messaging and baggage to Godzilla. That a reinterpretation from the guy that made Evangelion can definitely sour some people based on what it wants to focus on. If it's trying to focus on bureaucracy, if it's trying to focus on, like, what exactly would be the cause of something. Can we understand such a force? Or is the force much more knowable now that we have more pieces to collect on? And, frankly, I can't speak on it, but... With Shin Ultraman, it was just very clear to see that this is just a passion project for a series that so many people have loved, you know. Like, you can go and find the original film that Anno made, which is him doing just Ultraman moves in the middle of a field in his tracksuit with the timer and everything. Because that was contemporary for him as he was going to school and he has, like, everything else was going on. And it was just a lot of fun and admittedly like if I sound a little choked up trying to talk about it it is the fact that the person who got me into Ultraman uh was uh Nikki Austin uh the person who you might know from the channel Explode When Defeated uh the person who is or would collaborate with Hazel on uh, their podcast and right, like, not too long after this movie came out and they were able to watch it, uh, they had passed away suddenly. And that was sort of a shock that a lot of people felt. I mean, I can only talk about it as someone who, like, interacted with the content that they put out. But at the same time, knowing someone through what their interests were and what exactly they really put a lot of stake in helps to color, you know, some of that understanding and to know that Ultraman was one of those things that really was a pillar, not just for what they would talk about on their channel or, like, any other spot, but just, like, really something that, like, was their persona. 
it really just like ends up being this bigger piece for me. I like, I was glad, like I said, you know, having that night where everybody was seeing and like taking in the shared experience, it didn't matter if we were all going to the one theater in New York or if there are multiple people going as well in LA, like we were all sharing that moment. And I'm really glad that I was able to share that moment, even if it was a just like known look at the feed on Twitter and seeing like, yeah, I'm glad that you're able to see it. Um, if you get the chance to watch Channel Ultraman, I highly recommend it. Watch Ultraman. It It is a show that is really fun. It is zany. It is kooky. You will love just the practicality of everything because it is so tactile. And it being made on a budget that is, you know, less than Toho's because of the fact that A.G. Tsuburaya decided to go and make his own company and stake everything on this idea. It really speaks to the lengths at which Tokusatsu is able to captivate uh, the audience and it's why it's so enduring, you know. Regardless of it being Sentai or Kamen Rider any of these other iterations that come around as well, because I know so many people that'll love Gridman and um, Space Sheriff Gavin. Like, there's so many forms of it. But there's something so powerful in the way that these uh, stories in particular are able to captivate their audience. So, for me... um... I I also I really liked Shin Ultraman when I watched it, um, and I know you said you you haven't seen Shin Godzilla, but um, what struck me about Shin Godzilla in comparison to this, like, I agree with like everything you said about the Ultraman stuff, and I think that's why it's so effective in this film specifically. Of it really like does have this energy of like a hopefulness that isn't like. I, you know, it it's people fighting monsters, but it's not like. It's not like an absurd hopeless hopefulness, which is what I feel about Shin Godzilla. Like, I don't think Shin Godzilla could be made after the COVID pandemic, is how I feel about Shin Godzilla. Like, mm-hmm. it represents a very specific view of bureaucracy that is completely, like, fantastical. Like, it's this idea that, like, yeah, you know, people in the government do want things to be better. And it's like, so, like, after the earthquakes in Japan, I don't even know how they could say that really is also how I feel like Japan's response to that stuff was better than, you know, like America is to events like hurricane Katrina and stuff like that. But that, that really just comes as a result of it being a smaller country. Um, and it's Shin Godzilla is, I would say like, I don't know what my problem with it was, but it just did not hit for me in the way it, seemed to for a lot of people but Shin Ultraman like did hit me in the way that I think it did for a lot of people like it's just good um it's there's they perfectly blend like the idea of trying to create their own story and tell this thing with like trying to make the send up of the original stuff and I just think it's really effective um yeah that, like it really does give a sampling of what one could expect from the original show and you know again it's like we have high cutting edge cg here but 
that doesn't detract from the fact that they do lean into like goofy cuts. They lean yeah. into it's the fact that there is so much absurdity as well thrown in between. The that fucking really uh, the punch at the end is like so good. Oh, it's great. Like it's just so it, it has so much fun with what the series stands for nowadays. And yeah, like it is this idea that you know not necessarily bureaucracy itself, but, you know, you're presented a story of what if, like, this person that could answer all of your problems, you know, do that, but then on the chance that they are no longer able to, what are you, uh, humanity, the populace that has to, like, deal with these problems themselves, like, what are you able to do? And it really leans into humanity in a way that is so uplifting, I thought that the um, most insane part of the film, which I know was a reference to another episode or whatever of when when um, the woman becomes giant. Oh, yeah. Um, I know that was a reference to some episode, but it was very insane out of nowhere. Um, I think the funniest part of that is still when it's like, there's a million videos on Twitter of you when you were a giant. And she's like, no. And then he's just like, I deleted all of it from the internet. It doesn't exist anymore. She's like... Well, thanks, I guess. Uh, very funny sequence. You know, I had to do it to him. That's one yeah. of my favorite phrases. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I recommend anyone should go see that film if they can. I know it's on. It's out there now. I think it's just out there on digital. I think. It should be, yeah. I mean... I believe there are other means of getting it, well-documented ways of getting it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but cool. Um, so I'm just going to run through uh, a couple of these other shows I've been watching real quick. Uh, so I did check out Tomochan as a girl. Um, and I will say that it is pretty much exactly what you expect for the most part. Um, I, I think we, I, I, I disagreed with, uh, Trixie was talking about this in our group chat earlier, but, um, Trixie did not like the, uh, the main character's friend in that show is like this insane, like evil woman who's just like talks in a monotone and is just like being insane all the time. Um, I think she's the best part of that show. And I think if they had made a show about her, in the first place, it would be a much better show. Um, I also found out after we had gone over the list of anime for the season, and uh, before I started watching this, that the uh, mangaka for Tomochan as a Girl used... Uh, actually, Tomochan's design is reused from a lesbian doujin that uh, they had made that was explicitly, like, you know, lesbian, and it's just like... I am a bit offended that it was reused for, like, a very basic, like, heterosexual, heterosexual uh, insane Damn. gender ideology show. <laughs> um, but, you know, I still don't think that show is as bad as I thought it would be. I think it, I think it has some good jokes. Um, it has some good bits at times. I, I think it is genuinely funny that her, like... 
the guy that she wants to date that's her best friend it's not just that he doesn't know that she's a girl it's like he doesn't know what gender is and it's like he thinks like i don't know it's crazy it's like the most insane character i've ever seen written because he's like that but then also he'll say like extremely gendered things all the time like oh guys can't do that or girls can't it's like dude you don't even know what that is like you don't even know very insane energy um I think it's mostly fun. I think it's a lot more fun than like Shikamori, for example. Uh, I know we had just talked about that during anime of the year <laughs> as like, I think that was my quickest drop because it was just very boring. This one at least is more entertaining than that. I'll say, but it is very well tread ground. Um, can't say it's like a barn burner or anything. Um, and also I watched sugar apple fairy tale, which is about fairy slavery. Um, oh, gonna say straight up, I would say maybe the worst depiction of slavery in one of these in a while. Um, I think there's a lot to be worst said ab- as in harshest, or worst as in oh, you don't know what this means at all. You do. I I would say the latter mainly. I'm going to explain you. So th- there's fairies, and they're you know, it's they are enslaved by people, and they are sold, so on and so forth. Uh, there's like worker fairies who are like small and then there's combat fairies i forget what the exact word is and they're like just normal sized like people um Hmm. and the way that they keep them enslaved is they rip off one of their wings and put it in a bag and that gives you control over them and there's a lot of scenes of like people grabbing the wing and it like causes immense physical pain to the fairy um so immediately i i don't think they have the chops to do a narrative about slavery i'm gonna say that right away uh the writing chops are not there because they're trying to make a standard shoujo um the main character buys her you know love interest emo boy fairy and the opening really sets her up as like a real like you know savior type character of oh i just want people and fairies to get along but she's like the entire first episode is like all about like him being like oh he cabadons her and goes like i could kill you or whatever like classic shoujo stuff or whatever but it's like she could like let him go and stay true to his her belief structure but she's like literally like i'll free you as soon as we get through this mountain pass for a journey which is the reason i bought you but after that i'll free you i just need to keep you as a slave for a little while first and the show has not delved into how insane that is at all um there's a lot of like trying to be like oh this girl she's she's good or whatever like the dude's saying like oh whatever it's just it's like trying to do bad boy like shojo stuff, except they're it's mm-hmm. not cool here, dude. <laughs> like I don't know. It's like the energy is vile. Like there's just something about like you the way the show is written, you cannot tell how the author feels about slavery, and that's never a good thing, you know? Like mm. I think about reincarnated as a sword and you immediately know that author hates slavery, right? Right. Like the idea of it and like knowing like later in those books like 
is just like consistently like all about like killing that type of person or whatever. It's just like here, it's like literally like, oh, maybe they have some points. Who can say? It's just like I very insane program, very very insane program. I'm kind of mad that her fairy boyfriend also is like human sized. He's taller than her. He should be like he should be like ten. He should be ten inches tall, straight up, like straight up. Yeah, they <laughs> and he should be trying to cabadon her like that. I think, like, yeah, yeah, B movie. Yeah, pass. it should be. Uh, it should be like you hear like a little like tiny thump against like the oh. wall or whatever, and it just like zooms in. <laughs> but no, no, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I'm, I'm still going to try to watch uh-huh. this because this was certainly one of the things I saw this season that was like, what is going on here for sure. And just to see how I feel about it personally, and I don't, I, I, I don't know. It sounds like you're gonna drop it. You're just disgusted by it. <laughs> that said, yeah, it sounds insane. Like it's it's certainly like huge dissonance between the fact that okay, we have this this deeply serious uh, uh, aspect to the story going on in, in this world. Yeah, it's it's trying to it's it when you know I'm looking at pictures of this. It just looks like a typical yep. shoujo thing on the surface, and that's very strange. Um, right, right. It doesn't make sense. You know, like the always with these narratives, like oh, they're a good slave owner. They're, yeah, you know, they're like treating them back. The so, shield like, hero type. Yeah, yeah, shit. like yeah, the rhetorical situation you're right. Like, why from the get go don't they just figure out like? But then they're still keeping them as slaves, yeah. you know, like, like like within the title. So like, why don't they do something about it in more immediate? Yeah, yeah, that's very frustrating. I just think like, like again, if this was, a, I don't know, if if I knew that this was a show that was going to talk about it as it went on, uh, instead of knowing exactly where their goals are, as it were, right. like. And maybe I would feel better about it, but it is hard to get right. past, like, it just feels like Why fetishization did, yeah. of, like, a genuinely severe problems in history. Like, Yeah, why did they choose this? And, for, again, from what you're describing, why did they choose this and not, like, say a more... Just you know, like a, a like you could just do a like yeah, or normal story. fish out of water. Yeah, like stuff, oh, there's some or... taboo over like we the fairies can't. And she's a human, yeah. right? It's like their fairies can't. So then, why did we need this extra ins- oh, like scary like, layer of like they're yeah. because they're slavery? You could you just know? make it like the fairies hate people because of what the people did in the past or something like that or like oh yeah something yeah, like that. Yeah, easy, easy like elves are always yep. racist for <laughs> this kind of but thing. But it's just like, you know, that's they so- use like they like they they are straight up like like I think about this in, in wake of like Vinland Saga recently like genuinely right. being right. at the point where they're talking about how bad slavery is you know right obviously and right. like showing yeah. a realistic depiction of it the most insane thing here is when they just walk by and they show all these like fairy children just on like the slavery like stuff like from straight up from like american history like Uh dioramas and stuff and it's like this is like despicable to me i don't think it's good holy crap like (laughs) like the fact that they went so hard in on it is just i don't i think it's bad I I, just, yeah, I don't think that's a good thing. I think that the, the the show looks beautiful, like visually. I just wish it was being serviced on on a better thing. Yeah, for something else. Because yeah. you could do fairy romance. I think no one no, no one's doing that these days. You know, but 
Not like this. <sighs> um. Did we have anything else we wanted to talk about? Or did we want to wrap up early? Nothing I can think of. I mean, again, I'm still just sticking to two series. That's good. I Like, I've watched a couple other... Like, I can just say real quick, like... There's, like, three gender swap anime this season. Um, and the one that I have... So, one that I have... <laughs> So there's one called Ayakashi Triangle, which I said I was going to watch. And that one's like the most horny one of them all because it's by the two love Rue guy, right? So like, I think that should paint a picture oh. in your mind. Uh, oh, no. Probably the worst censorship <laughs> I've ever seen in a show. Uh, and they're obviously playing it for jokes, but it is straight up like anytime that main girl, main character, whatever, is like naked, they are putting giant PNGs of a cat over the screen where her like boobs are or her hoo-ha etc like it's uh, it's just distracting it's just you can't <laughs> like it's worse than if they were just showing me her breasts i think like i think i think it's more offensive this way somehow it feels like a darker fetish mm-hmm. i don't know i it's, yeah. it's disturbing to me yeah um that one's like fine, whatever, pretty standard stuff. Uh, there's Onimai, right? I'm not watching any more of that mm-hmm. um, because again, the animation is great, but that adaptation is so dark sided in a way that I yep. do not enjoy. Um, I think we can all talk about like the most, I think the last episode they had, they introduced one of the sister's friends and they made her boobs four times bigger for some reason. Mm -hmm. Very scary, Mm -hmm. very scary stuff. It looks like when you see like, I don't know, it's not good. I don't even know how to describe it to you. Not good. Really not good. Um, and then the one that I've actually been enjoying quite a bit is, um, I need to look this up, but it's, it's the one where it's a, uh, this king, this old king was, uh, reincarnated as a knight. Cause that's all he wanted to be. And he, he gets reincarnated as like a girl knight in the future. Um, I need to figure out what the title is, but it's like, it's, it's, it's not an isekai. It's just a Sakai, I think is what I said when we were reading the descriptions of like, <laughs> just straight up. It is just like the same world reborn to master the blade from hero king to extraordinary squire that's what it's called um this is fun it's just a fun adaptation get to see a lot of girls go chibi mode which is great you love to see that happen not enough chibi mode in shows recently is my opinion um and if they do do it it looks horrifying like on dr stone where they have like those godless like malformed tiny versions of Senku and stuff. Not good. Dark. Evil. <laughs> um but yeah, this one's nice. Just fucking around, having fun. Pretty standard stuff. Pretty standard fantasy story. But I- I've been enjoying that one a lot. I don't know why there are three gender swap anime on at once. I think that that it is ref- something it's is going, going on. on. Um <laughs> And uh, I don't know if it's good or not. We'll see in time. <laughs> uh, 
that's pretty much everything that I've watched. So I guess we can wrap up a little early. Um, just I I never mentioned it during this whole episode like I usually do. I usually come up with some bit, but since John John isn't here, I feel like the reduction of twenty minutes will like account for him not being here uh, in the episode timing. Um, we're gonna save our write-in stuff for next week, also when he's back, since he likes to read them. Um, but again, I want to thank everyone for sending in stuff for anime of the year. That was a lot of fun. I liked remembering just how many shows came out last year because sometimes you get to the end and you kind of think like there was like four shows but i think like like i think we among us like specifically like we only had like two repeated things i think mm-hmm. there was just there was a lot there was a lot last year yeah it was a nice it spread. was pretty good um yeah um okay so again next next time we're going to be wa- talking about a place further than the universe, which we are watching. Uh, I'm excited to get into that. Um, that was a Patreon pick, I believe. Uh, which, speaking of, you know, patreon.com slash VGCC. $3 gets you everything one week early. Like uh, this show right here. Um, yeah. All right, cool. Well, I was glad that I could talk to both of you. I'm, again, glad to have you back again, LV. And I'm glad we could finally get mm-hmm. to this new season of anime stuff. I feel like I'll have even more <laughs> next week because I didn't talk about a few more. But we'll see what I, I land on. Hopefully I'll finish Gundam. Finally. <laughs> I can't believe Maverick beat me. I'm still mad. I can't believe it. I, I slacked. I really did. He just yeah, rushed no, ahead. Yeah, but come back, I'll just be on, like, turn A at that point. You're going to be on, like, yeah, you're going to be on, like, fucking turn A. You're going to be like, what, you didn't watch all 3,000 episodes up to this point? Like, <laughs> damn, okay. And I'll be like, oh. Uh, but no, no cool. Uh, all right. I hope everyone has a good day, night, week, month, year, so on and so forth. And uh, we'll see you next time on another episode of Unlimited Railworks. Well,